So Andrew, what was going through your mind the first time you lined up for a Spartan race? <laughs> Which of those questions was going through your mind? <laughs> Can I do this? Uh, why am I standing here? <laughs> <laughs> why am I standing here? Hello and welcome to Cardinal Coaching Solutions, the podcast that seeks to foster community and discussion around all aspects of life and leadership coaching. My name is Wes Gow. I'm the founder of Cardinal Coaching Solutions and I'm happy to serve as your host for this journey. I specialize in academic, life, and business performance coaching, and I'll be interviewing my coaching friends and colleagues along with other guests to learn their stories, best practices, and tips for success. Welcome to the show. Now let's get you going. My guest today is Andrew Dormas. Andrew is a higher education administrator, certified academic life coach, and an adjunct instructor at Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan. As a coach, Andrew works to help students gain a competitive edge by developing habits and systems that propel them toward success both inside and outside the classroom. Andrew holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in divinity, and he's currently working on an educational specialist degree as well as an ICF certification. Andrew enjoys spending his spare time in the gym and finds it an essential aspect of holistic wellness and stress relief. Most recently, Andrew has discovered a love for running Spartan races, which involves running four or five miles and completing 15 to 20 obstacles. Andrew is married to his best friend and love of his life, Gabriella. Andrew will tell you that his most significant achievements are his two sons. They are what motivate him to be his best every day. Andrew, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, Wes. So good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're dialing in here on a Sunday morning. And <laughs> yeah, you're there in Michigan. You said yeah, you got some snow to go shovel after this. So uh, we'll do our best we're, to get you right out into that, my friend. Absolutely. We're, we're getting hit and uh, the driveway is calling. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how many inches you got out there? Uh, they said between the weekend anywhere between six to 12. So you did some yesterday, did some, uh, we'll do some today and, and we'll keep going. Nice. Good for you. Well, I'm going to be truthful here to our guests and our listeners. What I should have said in the intro is welcome back to the show. <laughs> this is take two for us. We had some internet difficulties on round one, but I am confident that we can recapture the magic here. Yeah, I'm excited to be back and uh, it's always good. It's always good to see my friend Wes. Yeah, absolutely. And like a previous guest that I had on here, Noah Greenwald, Andrew and I go back to uh, our training session with Coach Training EDU. We went through the 1.0, the Academic Life Coaching Certification. Uh, about this time of last year was when we started that and that ran for six months. And so he and I got to know each other well then and have a lot of respect for Andrew and his approach to coaching. He brings such a palpable energy uh, in his presence. You can just feel his passion for life. And I think that comes through even in uh, your bio, which I, I want to get into more here, but just your uh, emphasis on holistic wellness, your time in the gym, your Spartan races, uh, you're working with students. And I am confident that that energy is um, is just part of what drives you as a coach. 
Absolutely. The neat thing about the coaching process for me is it, you know, coming out on the back end of it, you know, whether it's been, you know, 45 minute to 60 minute session with a student, um, I just feel so energized um, that we could move from a place of unknown to a place of knowing. And it's, it's coaching is an amazing process. Love the way you just frame that a place of unknown into a place of knowing. That's really special. And I think that is a good framework for for just a coaching conversation that you can enter into this conversation from a place, uh, like you said, of unknown. And when someone gives you the gift of their full attention, their active listening, their creative curiosity, it really can help someone just untangle themselves and come into a place of awareness. And I, I think that's the the big key, you know, one of the things that I think all, all coaches for the most part work towards this, but, you know, coming out of coach training EDU and my style and my experience as, as a chaplain, uh, what I bring is just setting that space, setting that arena uh, for self-awareness. I find students don't spend a lot of time in this arena. And so to be able to set that space for them to really think deeply, um, you know, internally versus where most of the thoughts are external, powerful things happen. Yeah. It's an interesting observation you just gave there about students, and that can probably be extrapolated to all of us to some degree. But just uh, observing that they don't spend a lot of time in that kind of self-awareness space. What is it that you think inhibits that generally? You know, I think we are currently living in a comparison era. (laughs) You know, this is the, you know, maybe the con of social media and a lot of our students, and I'd say even, even us as adults, we live through this lens of, of what is somebody else doing and what does that mean for my life? Or we focus on all these external inhibitors for why we cannot be. And, you know, I love that coaching can, can kind of call you out of that and really look at being for yourself. Who do you need to be? What characteristics do you enjoy about yourself? And I think that's the essence. Yeah, it almost seems like that old adage of keeping up with the Joneses has maybe mm-hmm. never been more true mm-hmm. than, than the life we're living right now. The grass is not greener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, I'd like to think that perhaps now more than ever is is a great time for coaching, or, or I would say maybe the world has a great need for coaching. I want to dig into your background a little bit. I'm curious about, you mentioned just a second ago where you were talking uh, your experience as a chaplain, and I see that your degrees here are in this area of divinity. So what have you found to be a connection between your experience as a chaplain and in divinity, education-wise, and what's the connection between that and your practice as a coach? You know, falling into coaching, it was a bit of a, a, a seamless transition I would say in the chaplaincy world and the coaching world, there's really an emphasis on listening. You know, in the coaching world, we call it level two listening. In the the chaplain space, we would call it active listening. But they're essentially the the same thing. As I walk into a room or as I start a a session online, it's it's putting my baggage aside, putting my drama, (laughs) my issues aside, and really 
uh, tuning in to what the person across from me, the person on the screen in front of me is saying, moving from a place where I'm not listening to myself, but I'm listening to us. And then also helping that individual hear what they have said in, in return. Yeah, I really like that last that last part of there about helping the individual hear what they have said. So just that ability to be fully present in listening, capture that, and then reflect it in a way that, yeah, someone can hear actually what they just processed, the heavy lifting they just did. We went through this uh, neat activity in this intro to coaching class I was teaching. And I threw this question on the screen. Is, is the coach a hammer? Is the coach an encyclopedia? Uh, or is the coach a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I, I had one more you know, answer. Is the coach a teddy bear? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got various answers from the students. You know, as a coach, I'm, I'm not the hammer. I'm not here to judge. As the coach, I'm not the encyclopedia. I'm not here to provide all the answers. As the coach, my job is to not, is not always going to make you feel good. Some of the questions, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, really, you know, give you a pause to think. Um, but my, my job as a coach is the mirror. You know, how can I help you see you? How can I help you figure out what's happening inside you? And where do you need to go? What de- what decisions do you need to make? Oh wow! I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. Your opportunity to teach that course this last semester on coaching that's so interesting. I'm sure you had many takeaways from that. But what's one or two things that rise to the surface about just reflecting back on that experience, being able to teach a room full of students about coaching? I think the neat experience. Starting home, the neat experience for me was to be able to hammer, you know, the foundation of coaching and what coaching is all about and to remind myself of, of my passion and also to sharpen the tools in my toolbox once again. It was, a, you know, a, a renewal of my commitment, <laughs> uh, which, was, which was neat. And uh, for my students to really, again, I think, present them um, with an opportunity to learn the skill of level two listening, of active listening. You know, we went through this exercise where the students would set a timer for 10 minutes, right? And they would ask their their coaching client in front of them to, you know, they'd ask one question and then ask that coaching client to just speak on that subject for 10 minutes. And the student's job was to not say a word. (laughs) Wow. And this was, uh, I think, the first week of the course. And for many of them, it was a struggle. It was a struggle to not want to interject themselves uh, or their thoughts or their beliefs while this person in front of them was speaking. And for a lot of them, it was a really neat opportunity to be able to just say, hey, (laughs) part of the magic is uh, just what we like to call in the chaplaincy world, ministry of presence, being there being available, being open, uh, and listening. Oh, I love that. What a great exercise, Andrew. I feel like I'm, I'm remembering this uh, meme that I've seen before, mm-hmm. this phrase of most people don't listen to receive, they're listening to respond. So whatever it is you're saying, I'm, I'm waiting for a chance to interject on sharing my knowledge on this subject or my expertise on it. So it really is an interesting practice. Good. That's, that's great. 
That's great. I think it was uh, I think it was Paul Tillich who said the first duty of love is to listen. That's beautiful. Andrew, in the time that you're spending around college students these days, we've already touched on this a little bit, but I, I want to revisit it just out of curiosity. Are there any challenges that college students are facing today that are different from when you and I were in college? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the obvious answer is yes. We talked about the social media, obviously. That I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. difference. I mean, mm-hmm. when I, I'm going to date myself here, but when I graduated from college, 2002, I don't even think MySpace existed yet. So there was certainly no Facebook. I'm pretty sure I had a Hotmail account that I rarely used. <laughs> I had no cell phone. It was so strange on graduation day to be standing outside the venue and saying goodbye to people knowing, I mean, have a nice life. I don't know when or how I'm ever going to see you again. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a huge difference for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say, you know, one of the, one of the other differences maybe between, you know, when you and I were in school and uh, the students that, you know, I'm working with today is just this idea of mindset, this idea of resiliency, you know, Mm -hmm. this idea of grit. The student today is a lot less self-forgiving. They feel like they they have to have it all together today. And and, and that that can be a large burden to carry. They are in, in wanting to already arrive. A lot of them are overloading and doing too much. Wow, that's so insightful. The student today is a lot less self forgiving. What do you think is driving that? You know, uh, I think, you know, again, it goes back to that, you know, comparison syndrome. Oh, yeah. Um, Social pressure. A lot of them are entering college, not necessarily studying uh, what they want to be studying. There could be some family pressure. Another part of it is, again, that that piece of lack of self-awareness. What is what, what am I, what is my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? And mixing that all together can create quite a storm in their lives. Wow, man. As a, as a parent, you know, I mean, you, you and I both have, you and our children, but I kind of want to just dive so far down this rabbit hole. You know, how, how do we, how do we raise our kids in such a way that by the time they are old enough to be making college decisions, that they feel confident and empowered to make the decision they want to make, that they feel is important to them, not, well, all of my friends are going to this school, and so I've got to go there. Or my parents, you know, do this for a profession, and so I've got to do that. Like, I, man, my hope is that when my kids are that age, that they can, they can just have enough stability to maybe see through that social pressure a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of, you know, the, the piece in scripture that says, raise up a child in the way he or she should go. But I think part of that is you're journeying with this, you know, with your child, you know, helping them to realize who they are. What are their strengths? What are the things that they're passionate about? but then also providing experiences in those arenas. You know, if you love nature, let's pursue it. If you, you've got an interest in medicine, let's go shadow. Let's cultivate these things that you seem to be drawn towards and let's find out. And when you're 16, 17, 18, 
it almost feels like the expectation is you're supposed to have it all figured out, um, <laughs> ready to launch, but that isn't the case for everybody. And I think students need to be given the space to explore and to say, I don't have to have it figured out right now, but I will. It's kind of like what you and I have spoken about in the past, this um, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. In our previous conversation, you, uh, you framed it this way, so simple. I've never heard it explained this simply, but it's the difference between adding one word to the same question. Do you want to recapture that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So two questions, the difference of one word. Can I do this versus how can I do this? Mm. And when we look at those two questions a little bit more deeply, the can I do this? The answer is, you know, boom or bust. It's mm. either yes or no. And we stop there and we stop exploring. But if the question is, how can I do this? Hypothesis says, <laughs> right? Or reasoning says that I can figure out a way. I don't, I do not know yet, but I realize there are steps to this game. There are mm -hmm. steps to what I'm trying to achieve. And so how can I do this? Let me break down the steps. Let me go after what it is that I'm trying to achieve. So rather than, can I be a great student? How can I be a great student? Versus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the question, how can I be, or uh, no, can I be a loving father? Versus, how can I be a loving father? I love that. I love it. I loved it the first time you said it, and I love it even more now. In fact, I told a colleague about it after our first conversation. And just how simple and beautiful that was. You know, that first question, can I do this, is a question of, do I have what it takes? Whether that's knowledge or resilience, it questions, do I have what it takes? But you add that, how can I do this? And now you've bypassed that. You've already assumed, I've got what it takes to do this. But by adding that how, now it becomes, you know, some external factors, if I need to get more knowledge to do this, then that's what I go do. Uh, if I need more life experience, then that's what, I, you know, wh whatever it may be. I just, I love the framework of that. Can I do this versus how can I do this? And it's so empowering mm -hmm. to know that, yes, you can. You'll need to put in the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yes, you can. So, Andrew, what was going through your mind the first time you lined up for a Spartan race. <laughs> Which of those questions was going through your mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. Can I do this? I mean, you're, you're at the starting line and you're, you're wondering, you know, have I done enough? Uh, why am I standing here? <laughs> <laughs> why am I standing here? <laughs> You know, will I be able to get through this thing? And then you've got all these other voices, you know, there's, there's my voices. And then you've got all these other voices, you know, Hey, you know, running this race is dangerous and it's silly. And, and so, yeah, you're battling all those things. And then it's, you know, and then you shift or I shifted to a place where I said, no, I've done enough. I've put in the weeks of training. I've prepared. I've 
I've read up on this and uh, I'm ready for a time like this. It is my time and let, let's do this. But yeah, it's, you know, mindset is everywhere from Spartan races to you name it. <laughs> to Algebra 1. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, so good. What might be a connection, Andrew, between your experience in running Spartan races and and just holistic exercising and wellness in general? What might be a connection between those and what you bring as a coach? I think the amazing thing for me when I look at you know Spartan races and and staying active is I'm building momentum. I am kicking down doors that I previously thought that I could not. And so prior to running a Spartan race, I said, well, I, I could never do that. I, I could never run four or five miles and get through 20 to 23 obstacles. So, I mean, my, my body would never allow that, right? But then when you actually do the thing that you previously thought that you could not, it is so powerful. And it, and it, and it builds such a momentum for other things down the road. If I can do that, what else can I do um, and that is what coaching is all about. How can we build momentum for the student? The student who says, I can't manage my time. Um, I can't talk to my mom and dad because they, they'll never understand me, right? How can we go ahead, build momentum, gain victory, and continue to knock down, continue to kick down doors? And, my, you know, Spartan races for me have become uh, a metaphor for, for what's going on in my life and, and the lives of, of my clients. So let me ask a very similar question, but frame it this way. How does you participating in those help you show up as a coach? I think participating in those races, you know, all those thoughts that I have on the, on the starting line, you know, trying to come out of the blocks, right? Are the thoughts that, you know, all my clients go through, right? When they're starting something new, I like to work with students who are transitioning from high school to college. And when you're starting something new, there's, there's so many different thoughts that are in your mind. And part of what makes running Spartan races so rich for me is that I'm able to empathize. I'm able to connect um, with the thoughts that my clients go through, whether I'm coaching somebody who's in a job transition or I'm coaching somebody who's, who's trying to start a photography business. There's all these self-doubt voices, ours and others uh, that come into our heads. And let's eliminate the can I question and let's shift to how can I. Mm. And then once we're able to do that, we're able to draw a roadmap to help get that individual there. I love that you are continually exposing yourself to challenges. I feel like that in and of itself, whatever it may be, for any coach listening, I feel like it is great practice to expose yourself to challenges on a regular basis so that when you sit down across from that client, across from that coachee who's all tangled up, you and, and I love this word you used, empath, uh, empathize, you're able to be there 
you're able to be present from a place of, I, I know I can relate, I can connect to some of the questions going on inside you. And I love that you have chosen to uh, expose yourself to those challenges in this way, in, in, this, in this form of racing. I think that's brilliant. I think especially so for the demographic that you're serving in college students. You know, you said there's, they're starting something new. And um, I'm reading this book right now called Transitions. It's by an author called mm. William Bridges. And have, have you heard of it? Have you ever heard of it? No, I'm going to have to write that down. Man, it is just, it's hitting all the right spots for me. I mean, if I were to flip through the pages, you know, I'm halfway through, but it's all kinds of marked up. But what I really appreciate is that he draws out this acknowledgement that every beginning has, it starts with an end to something. Mm. So whatever is you're starting new, a new job, a new phase of life, you move to a new town or, you know, for a 17, 18 year old, you're a freshman in college now. The first step is actually coping with the end. And I like what he, he, he digs in further. I'm not going to try to recapture the whole book, but he describes transition as the internal process of dealing with the external change. So there's been this major change in setting from high school to college, but what transition is happening internally? How are you processing that? And, you know, we're kind of coming full circle here. You know, our kids and certainly teenagers now are growing up in an era when there's not a lot of time spent on that kind of reflection. And, and I'm just wondering how, I don't know, just how maybe underserved our students are these days making these kinds of changes and internal transitions without without the opportunity to maybe adequately process. But that's where people like you come into play, you know, in, in the unique position you're in as a coach in an academic environment. I am just, I am so confident in the role that you're playing in the lives of that demographic. It's, it's just, it's so necessary. It's an awesome privilege to, to sit in that space and to share that space with individuals. It, it's a privilege. Well, my friend, Andrew, thank you again for round two here <laughs> for your time. And um, you've got another challenge in front of you, and that is your driveway covered in. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Right on. Well, Andrew, thank you again, man. You're doing great work. We appreciate you so much and best of luck on your continued journeys into ongoing education, certification, and hey, good luck with that driveway, my friend. Absolutely. Hey, Wes, iron sharpens iron, my friend, and and it's been lovely. It's been a beautiful thing to be able to watch your transition, your transformation from afar. And so, hey, I'm glad we're able to connect today. You got it, man. Best of luck to you, buddy. We'll keep in touch. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Cardinal Coaching Solutions. If you're interested in learning more about any of the topics we discussed today, or if you'd like to investigate working with me as a coach, please visit www.cardinalcoachingsolutions.com and connect with me personally over email at wes, that's W-E-S, at cardinalcoachingsolutions.com. I offer my first session absolutely free, and I'd be honored to help get you going. I can't wait to hear from you.